I'm your host, Sebastian Quaid, and welcome to the Hill Country Conservative. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the Hill Country Conservative. I'm your host, Sebastian Quaid. I'm Christian Cavazos. We're here with our special guest, Jeremy Kitchen. I am currently the legislative director for the Texas Public Policy Foundation, a think tank in downtown Austin. All right. So we got a great show for you guys today. A lot of stuff happened this week. Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race. Um, there was a lot of race baiting this week. Google announced that they're going to start tracking people and uh, a lot of other stuff. Um, so, yeah, let's just kind of get into it. So Bernie Sanders drops out of the race just out of nowhere. I, I think the day before he said he wasn't going to do it and then just decided to call everybody and, and left which has left a lot of liberals really mad. I'm seeing it all over Twitter. Christian, you said you saw some things. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, honestly, though, I didn't see it coming. I thought he'd ride it out I, I, like on it, like he did last year. I, or not last year, my bad. Uh, last election, you know, I was expecting to see a full ride from him, but it's not saying I would uh, wanted him to stay in. Definitely not, but you know, yeah. Pray, uh, great response from everybody. <laughs> Jeremy, what have you been saying? I mean, I'd say definitely the same. I think there's a mixture of people who also, right? Like, I don't know if y'all, if y'all seen the, the people that just like, oh, well, he made another cool $9 million, or, you know, off of it, used it as kind of a, a way to profit, um, if you will. I don't know if there's uh, any truth to that necessarily, but it's one, one way to keep your, keep your name idea up, I suppose, is to just run for the sake of running. I would say I, I'm surprised, though. He dropped out only because being being how old he is, if he legitimately wanted it, right? Um, yeah. You know, this might be, I would assume, probably the last time he runs for it. You know, being the, the guy that uh, represents that wing of the, uh, the Democrat Party, um, there's not really anyone else that they can point to. So you have a whole bunch of Bernie bros in company, right, who are severely disappointed. Their convention ought to be interesting. But I mean – I, I don't know if I'd actually call Bernie Sanders a Democrat. I, I honestly, I, I think that Bernie Sanders is probably the one true socialist we have in America, which is odd because nobody likes what's going on right now with the whole COVID shelter in place and quarantines. But I, I, I do agree. I think Bernie Sanders just kind of took the money and ran with it. Everyone's talking about how he's going to buy a fourth house. And uh, I mean, that socialism, right. he's one of the elite. That's right. Yeah. People were calling for him to, uh, donate all the profits he got from the campaign to getting rid of some people's tax, I mean, tax, um, some college uh, debt and housing and things like that and paying rent. I'm like, you know what? If he did that, I'd respect him for it. I'd respect him for it, you know? He's always been told uh, or called a real, like, uh, somebody firm on his beliefs. So, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing that, you know, see if the dude's really meant what he said. And is it just, uh, like saying earlier, is the dude doing it for profit, you know? So, Socialist actually following through with socialist tendencies. I don't know. That's a, yeah. I know it's a big, big, big to ask, but I mean, <laughs> Hey man, well, I'll power to him if you can. Did you see right. the, uh, remember that, uh, okay. Boomer chick from Twitter. Oh yeah. She's been posting a lot lately. Uh, none of it has anything to do with politics anymore. It's just kind of her selfies, which I think is kind of funny. I mean, you gotta oh, yeah. keep those followers up. That's right. Definitely. You guys know she copyrighted the OK Boomer dance that she did. Did she it got, really? It got like removed. Everybody who retweeted it had it removed from their Twitter, and she was the only one allowed to post it for a little bit. Uh, I think it's back now. But all, with that, and then all the just screams on Twitter. I mean, there's like 30 second videos of people screaming in their garage. I saw one yesterday. This kid <laughs> who's like, "How dare you? We're, we're going to have Trump for another four years." I haven't had a job in two years, and this is Trump's fault. <laughs> yeah. But, which, which leads me to the next point. Coronavirus has caused a lot of people, or has caused a lot of politicians to force everybody to stay at home. And I was watching Fox News the other night, and they were talking about how Democrats want to really push mail-in voting, which I, I honestly think is to give Biden a bump. Uh, they kept talking about voter fraud, which is very easy with mail-in voting because how are we supposed to check it that quickly? Right. Um, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be, at least specifically here in Texas especially, right, like the governor postponed some elections to July. I think you're going to see a, a push for um, 
some of the, the runoff elections and stuff uh, to go to more mail-in voting. And then, of course, certainly in November, as everyone's heard, you, there's already been uh, some dedicated commercials from different PACs on supporting that, those, that sort of thing. It's definitely the, um, the hot spot and the biggest target for fraud. Just because um, I think Texas, especially, we're just ill-equipped to try to like um, try to clamp down on that sort of practice. I mean, you've got people right that um, they'll they'll apply a signature to the ballot before they even hand out that mail-in ballot to someone, right, or or what have you, when they go to the door, um, and and you know that that just creates ethical issues, right? Is like, are you potentially influencing one person to vote one way or the other based on the conversation you're carrying out with them? If you're giving, let's say, an elderly person something at the door on top of a whole bunch of other things. I mean, this just, you know, they, people that support this sort of thing will, uh, will, will, you know, will cry, well, we, it's, it's the ease of everyone being able to vote and making sure that their vote counts and what have you. But the, rea- the reality is it's, there's a disgusting practice that's behind it. Um, and it's in, in the hopes to get someone right or uh, to influence an election one way or the other. I, we should... I think this is one of the number one issues that people should be concerned about um, coming into November. Oh yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, Christian. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, my thing is like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they're being prepared for it, you know, but I still feel like November is a, just a little too far away. I think by November, we will slowly be coming out of our houses. You know, it only took China about a two or three months for them to finally get, well, I mean, so they say to get things under control, you know, uh, we're seeing uh, in Europe that finally we're getting a, a downward trend on the number of cases that they're getting. So I, I honestly don't see us having to do the mail-in by November, you know, uh, hopefully, I mean, you know, so fingers crossed it doesn't get worse than what it is right now. So I, I'm, and I'm, I'm on, full board with uh, what Jeremy said, you know, it's definitely a way for them to influence an election. And that's probably why they're pushing it so fast. I think right now that's something that should be put on the back burner. You know, we're still having people with have, uh, having issues with this quarantine thing. You know, people aren't listening. There's a, a what's it called? A, it's we're undersupplied on medical equipment. You know, hospitals are overworked. There's definitely some things that need to be focused on and prioritized more right now than uh, mail-in voting, you know, and uh, just a, uh, thinking about the election right now you know right i think the other thing that should be added right is like this week i think was it this week or last week whenever it was that wisconsin had their uh, had their election right like it, most of the media that i've seen centered around this issue within the last week has pointed to two cases one being wisconsin and just the nightmare that that was right dealing with a quarantine election and then two uh, specific to texas if y'all recall, uh, back in on primary day or in early March, um, they used the example of Texas Southern University. And, you know, there were like, I think it was like 700, 800 people standing outside after 7 p.m. And the line like didn't move. Like they were there for hours, right? Just oh, yeah. sitting in line. I think the last guy the went out on midnight. Yeah, yeah we that's saw right. That's the example that they're going to point to, right, with the flaws in in-person voting. <laughs> well, we saw that same thing at Texas State during the primaries. We had voters booths set up for a long time, all over campus, all over. Three San, weeks. Yeah, three weeks, all over campus, all over San Marcos. Yet on the last day, there was a line all the way across campus, and it took seven, eight hours for all these students to vote, which, which you know, I, I kind of have to blame the students. That's bad planning on their part. When, when, yeah. it's, when it's been there for three weeks and you walk through the main part of campus, you, you definitely see that. You know I assume most people know that they have a right to vote. What bothers me is all these liberal organizations are out on the quad. Not right now, because you know we're not allowed on campus. But usually, they're out on the quad and they're registering people to vote. Which I, you know, that's fine. I, I want people to vote. That's that's what makes America great is everyone having their own opinion. However, I've personally seen them rip up voter registration cards as soon as the person leaves if they register as a Republican. Um, I know one person, he, he ordered his mail, uh, his ballot by mail to Pennsylvania, and it took like two weeks after the primaries to get there. Yeah. I, you know, our, our, our election system is very interesting in Texas. I don't know if either of y'all have ever, ever been deputized to register folks to vote or not. It's a fairly simple process, you know, and it's something that, um, you know, granted outside the oath, like people could easily abuse. And then, you know, God bless people that take time out of their day, especially for the two weeks of early voting, right. To go be election judges and what have you. Um, it's a, it is a job that you do with, with very little reward, um, obviously. And, uh, you know, by, by and large, most part, and this isn't to slander anyone. I, it, it's, it's 
generally elderly folks that go and do that, right? And they're expected, even though they'd go through pretty limited training, they're expected to like keep up with every possible scenario that may come up with verifying someone's registration, what have you, once they come to the polls and using, by the way, new voting systems and new technology, um, you know, that scenario, th this situation is ripe for abuse, right? Intentionally or non-intentionally, um, you've got folks, especially older folks, taking advantage of that. Um, and so I just, you know, that's something... I, I hope that is addressed at some point soon is, is trying to figure out how maybe not streamlining that might not be the right word. Right. But like, can we figure out how to do this right and make sure that everyone's adequately trained to, to approach this sort of thing, you know? No. Yeah. And, and I totally agree. And I've also been reading that coronavirus is going to affect the 2020 election as in a Democrat swing is what I've heard because the coronavirus is majorly affecting black and Latin X neighborhoods more and it affects white neighborhoods, I, I guess, is their public enemy, which I, I you know, that kind of makes me think that we're getting ready for these. I, I mentioned this last week, but we're getting ready for these op-eds that coronavirus is racist. It's done by white people and it's just coming to squash the minorities again. Did, Christian, do you hear anything about this? Yeah, I didn't. Part of me didn't read into it too much because I knew I was just going to get angry. All right, you know, being a member of the Hispanic community, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I, you, you could, it's worse when they call out the communities because I'm like, I'm in it, so I can call you out on your bullshit, you know. Uh, there's no, it's a, it's a virus. I don't, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find a train of thought. It does kind of irk me, you know, when someone tries to use me as like a, a talking point, you know, like you're like community as a talking point, saying that I'm more affected. It makes me feel like they're talking down to me. I can't take care of myself. And it, uh, it's definitely you know, just a load of crap. They're trying to find someone to blame it on. They're trying to find, and of course, you know, using, uh, using it as a weapon against Trump, which is just even more sad. If anything, it's kind of like a you know, spitting on the graves of the people that have passed away, you know, trying to find when a time we should all be coming together. You know, of course, they're going to try to make it all more of, of a way to divide us all up. And it's pretty sad that it's happening. But I know by November, people know how this is really working. It's just a few op-eds that we're going to see that are going to try to swing people. It won't work. We'll see it in the in, in November, the results. It's a, it's shameful. Jeremy, do you have any thoughts? I, I, would, I would only speak to, I, I definitely agree that, I mean, it's, it's shameful that anyone would race paint any issue, especially stuff like this. But I tend to agree that just given our current politics, um, that I, I don't think you influence many people um, with this. And I don't think it lasts too terribly long. I mean, you're going to have your, your SJWs and stuff, that this is the mantra that they go with, right? And that's all they, they just keep beating home. But I don't think it does anything or impacts anything, um, certainly through November. Well, I, you know, I, I've been seeing a lot about the uh, write-in Bernie. And you, yeah. I feel like that's kind of forcing him to do the job if he wins, which I think would be... They're Honestly, just throwing away votes. They're throwing away votes. Like, there's well, yeah. no way they're going to get it, you know? Yeah, of, of course. Yeah. Uh, which I, I, I agree would give, in my opinion, Trump the lead once again in 2020. But as, as we're talking about the, the Black and Latinx communities, a, a lot of the same things that's coming out of those communities is how they can't afford rent, which is, you know, something that kind of affects a lot of people. I'm a student. I, I pay rent. Yeah. Uh, Christian, you're a student. You pay rent. That's why I'm working right now. <laughs> I took an hour off work. <laughs> like, and with, right. And with all of us, well, most of us, uh, Christian, you're one of the lucky ones. Most of us out of work, we can't pay rent. And I'm seeing a lot of things that says, well, you know, it's the renter's uh, liability to take on a tenant. Uh, they are, they're not, they're not uh, required to take your money, yeah. I guess. Not required to run a business, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, right, I, I guess. But my, my question is, what protects renters and what protects the tenants when stuff like this happens? I've seen you know, paycheck or the, the government aid and stimulus packages. But is there anything more that landlords and uh, tenants can do, Jeremy? I mean, I think this goes into a completely different line of thinking, I, I would assume. But I think what they can do is they need to talk to their government officials. I, I take the the approach that um, it's we shouldn't be asking the government for help on any of this stuff. And it's in, in fact, the government has screwed it all up, right? It's the, um, you know, I, I'll speak specifically to Texas with the limited amount of cases that there actually is. Um, we've destroyed our economy. We've destroyed small business by 
I don't think overreacting is the right word, but by reacting in the way that, that they did um, out of fear, not to say that you shouldn't be concerned, but I think as an individual and as a group of individuals, we can be responsible for ourselves and figure it out. Um, and I think the approach that we've taken so far has not only destroyed the livelihood of many small businesses, but, but people like y'all, uh, right, that are, that are renting, that have to now deal with the impact of, especially if you're not employed, if you're a student, right, dealing with the impact of, or the ramifications of, of policy. And I think that is, there's a lot of things that businesses can do, but I think first and foremost, it needs to be demanding from their local and state elected officials that there has to be a different approach to this. Um, because y'all have single-handedly, in my opinion, right, um, destroyed the livelihoods of, of thousands upon, you know, tens of thousands of people um, across the state. Uh, there's, there's, you know, we can point fingers at, okay, well, maybe I, I can accept this bit of stimulus, and maybe that's great because it, it impacts me, you know, now, or benefits me now, but the reality is, is that we've destroyed the fabric, right, of um, of our economy and that needs to be where we start is like where did we go wrong and what can we immediately do to fix it um, or to attempt to fix it right and I would argue that's get the government the hell out of the way. No I mean yeah, I completely agree uh, I've, I've seen a lot about how this whole quarantine stuff is way worse for us than anything the disease can actually do Sure. and, and again it goes into as soon as we come out of quarantine the disease is going to spike again Christian, you have any thoughts? Me personally, it's it's a it's a fifty fifty with me, but I do see benefit in the quarantine thing. I was actually, you know, I was pulling out some opinions from my coworkers, uh, you know, like how they felt about it, you know, and they were like, "Well, yeah, I, they're they're as well as on board with it, you know, people that really aren't, they think it actually should have been done uh, sooner," uh, and I'm kind of on board with that as well. I just. Uh, I do. It's it's just hard because I do see how many people are affected by this quarantine. I'm in a small town, uh, and like we have a little main square. You know, I'm sure those businesses have been hit real hard. That's why they actually took so long for it before a county judge actually decided. Like, okay, now now we need a quarantine. We've had, oh, I believe we're well over 50 cases right now here in my town. Not too sure. And we just enacted a mandatory stay in shelter unless you're an essential worker, right? Which Lucky me, I'm an essential worker. <laughs> and people still aren't listening to it, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, HEB's constantly packed. Walmart's constantly packed. It was, I drove, I was driving to work this morning around 8 a.m. and it was still, you know, there's a line outside, right? I just. <sighs> I mean, I, 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 I see the good I, I, Yeah, I see the good in it. I, I, I do. I just, you know, because I have an niece here at home and we keep her at home. We, we just, we think it's better that we don't have her outside, uh, you know, at the store or at HB or whatever, and potentially getting sick. Because you got to admit, going out there, you're probably guaranteed to get it. You know, if you listen to the quarantine and stay at home, if you don't have to go anywhere, uh, I think you'll have a better chance of being fine. I understand the thing about it spiking when you come out, but I think that's just a poor lack of hygiene teaching to um, in the American education system, you know, people are now just starting to wash their hands, I believe. I mean, I, you know, I, they're at Texas State, man. I go use the restroom and I'm seeing grown men not wash their hands coming out of the restroom. You know, it's like, uh, it, I think we should really take back, after this is over, we really need to sit down and really rework the way we handle this so that way we can balance out the, the way this has an effect on American businesses, but also keep the American citizens healthy. You know, do you think that there's a better way we could have handled this? Like, instead of just quarantining everybody, just telling people who specifically needed to stay quarantined and then let everybody else go about their regular business. Well, that's kind of hard, too, because like uh, you brought this up last week, I think, believe your, your mom's in, uh, compromised, right? Yeah, immunocompromised. Immunocompromised. So and you're not. So you can go and have your um, your daily business, but you come home and you bring it. Right. Uh, you bring and you and you can get your mom sick. So it's like, it's hard because it's like a specific cases for every single house, you know? Right. That's why I think it's going to take longer. After this is over, we really do have to sit down and have a long conversation on how we're going to do this next time. And well, God forbid it happens a, a second time, you know, but most likely it probably is. It's the way nature works. I can't give you a solution to it but I do see the benefits of this kind of quarantine. I think it could have been done earlier. So maybe this wouldn't have been dragged out too long, 
at the end of the day, it comes down to China, you know, not, uh, not themselves, not practicing a kind of quarantine. You know, as soon as this thing was taken, uh, spreading like a wildfire, they definitely should have stepped up in quarantine. That's an example of quarantine being a good thing, you know? Once it got here in the United States, I definitely think we should have started practicing, like, limiting, like, I think curfew should have been enacted pretty quick. You know, we still had St. Patrick's Day parties. People were still out in Boston uh, at the St. Patrick's Day parade, you know? It, I, I don't think we should enact uh, such a harsh quarantine so fast. I know ours was enacted Thursday after uh, Thursday afternoon, the day after they had said it wasn't going to be mandatory. You know, right. so they, it, everyone started scrambling. You know, the uh, HEB was packed. The line was outside of uh, out of the, outside of the parking lot. Oh yeah, I, I was there the other day, and I was just I finally. Yeah, I was finally able to buy toilet paper because I got there early enough. Um, For the RV section, it's always there. No, I, I got I got Charmin. I got the good stuff. <laughs> uh, but they had a they had an extra line inside HEB by the toilet paper, and I finally I, I worked my way up to the front. I'm standing in the front of the line, and here comes this older woman with her shopping cart, and she ankle checks me real hard, and I kind of like turned and looked at her, and she goes, "Is this the front of the line?" And I was like, "Yes, ma'am." And the line starts way back there. And as soon as I said that, she just went forward and grabbed like four rolls of toilet paper and took off. And then all of a sudden, HEB was freaking out. And then everybody that was working there was like, everybody needs to calm down. And I, I feel like this rationing thing is just not working in the way we expected. But Jeremy, do you have any thoughts on how we could have done this better? I mean, I, I think we have time to play the what if game, you know, a, a lot. I, I do think what, what this whole scenario, right, speaks to is the unfortunate stock that we put in things like media and everything else to like kind of let us know how to live our life, right? Um, and I, I say that not targeting any specific person or anything. I think it, it's unfortunate that our first, and, and maybe it's human, right? But like our first kind of, you know, we, we get so concerned about whatever that we make a run on toilet paper, right? Or, or, or what have you as a result. And I, I think that is a result of just, um, generationally just being exposed to like what an end of the world scenario would look like right via media and everything else and no one really knows how to act. i think what for me is most unfortunate and this is this is of course me uh, this is pop tony kettle black kind of thing is um you know i i read something i think it was last week um it speaks to a real root of the problem which is it's a shame how much americans don't have as like reserve right um for maybe not emergencies like this, but I'm talking cash reserves, anything else, emergency savings, um, you know, trying to speak a level above where y'all are, right? Like I get college kind of thing. It's, it's kind of a different scenario, but even coming out of it, it's not having any emergency savings whatsoever, I think speaks to a larger problem that we have um, as just a, as a society, right? Where it's like we value things in the immediate now and not necessarily saving for what could be the, you know, the Dave Ramsey style sort of thing. Um, afterwards and that creates additional problems right is like it, it, even if um, it was a few percentage points higher of the people that did have an emergency savings of let's say over a thousand dollars or more right theoretically you could save billions of dollars having to you know uh, put stimulus into the economy to save some of those families right and so I think this speaks to just a much larger problem which is as a society we've got to figure out a way to address these issues and I would also say that we can do that without government involvement. <laughs> well, yeah. And what, what's odd to me, I guess, I, all three of us grew up in Houston. Christian grew up, I don't want to out your city, but I grew up in Richmond. And, you know, we're, we're no stranger to hurricane season. A lot of my family lives in Florida. And again, they're no stranger to hurricane season. And so we're, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're always kind of prepared um, as Houstonians. When I first came to Texas State, uh, my freshman year, there was a really bad flood in San Marcos. And I could tell who was from Houston, who wasn't from Houston. So people who were not from Houston grabbed like six cases of water and, uh, you know, a bunch of toilet paper. And everybody that was from Houston got a six pack of beer and we chilled in the dorms. I mean, there's people sleeping in the stairwell because they thought this, we're on the third floor and they thought they were going to get flooded out. But it, it, it's odd to me. I guess, I don't know. I'm still young. Christian, you're still young. So, I mean, when we see a panic, it's usually because of Ike or Harvey. And I don't know. I guess my parents have always just been super prepared and had everything ready to go. 
Jeremy, I mean, how long have you lived in Houston? So, so I mean, I, I, I currently live in Austin. I'm down in Houston happen to be visiting family. I grew up in outside of Houston, right? So, like, I, I'd say the same thing. You kind of get – it becomes the norm preparing in that way. Um, I went to Texas Tech University, so it was interesting being mixed in with a bunch of students who were uh, mainly from the DFW area who hadn't had to deal with a lot of that. Um, and the only real emergency that we ever had in the uh, Lubbock area was uh, maybe the occasional snowstorm and then the occasional tor- tornado warning, right? So I don't necessarily have that that same <clears throat> emergency college, college experience, but I would say I generally agree that, like, there's certainly people that are used to that sort of scenario, um, and I think all of us, right, being from the Houston area would, would agree that, yeah, there's uh, there's a way to prepare for those, those sorts of things. So. Right. Um, I, I definitely think – we need to start teaching uh, citizens how to react in these cases. You know, I think we wait too long. People, I think this would have been better if people didn't panic. I think the quarantine thing would have been better if people didn't panic. People rush into the store. The food's not going anywhere. Our HB is fully stocked. Uh, I don't know if I can say that for y'all, but for y'all's local HB, but I mean, pro, uh, produce is pretty stacked. There's a few limits here and there. Uh, understandable you know like they can't be refilled every day of course there shouldn't be lines you know there shouldn't be people fighting for toilet paper if people were a lot more calm about it i think they this would have been much more smoother you know it's pretty sad seeing people fight for toilet paper although kind of funny i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i mean my, my ankle still hurts yeah <laughs> i mean it's always great to see the difference between being prepared and not being prepared. So hopefully this is a teaching too for people. Uh, I think, I think what you, sorry, I, I, what you brought up though is kind of the crux of really all the arguments, right? It's like, what do we mean by we, are we talking about that somehow the government has responsibility to, to, you know, endow all of its citizens or subjects with, with information like that? I, I would argue, maybe, maybe you are too, right? but I would argue that, that's the responsibility of individual families to try to put value on those sorts of things and value of life and value of like, you know, helping your fellow man and and charity and, you know, being prepared for the inevitable, that sort of thing. Um, And I think, and maybe that's what you're arguing. I I don't know, but I think that's really the crux of a lot of this that we'll discuss in the months that, you know, um, once we kind of get out from under the the realm of COVID-19 and everything else is like trying to figure out, where did we go wrong? And I, I would argue that one of the places we went wrong is is from a societal level, right? Like the, our fabric, not putting an emphasis on those sorts of things and allowing um, some government, which is limited, right, to to try to do that. Uh, I'm coming more for this perspective because, yeah, keep the government out as, as, as much as possible because chances are it'll most likely fail because of the government. But... I don't think a pamphlet in the mail will kill us, you know, or a little informational uh, info ad that they run. Like they've been running a ton of even like uh, the like National Geographic channels like that. have been actually running their own little COVID-19 uh, info ads. Right. I don't think a government info ad is going to hurt us anything or a little pamphlet in the mail. Like, hey, what to do to what well, we think you should probably do in case this happens again or before this happens again, you know kind of go back to the the cold war era days where they told you know where kids were taught um what to do in case of a nuclear fallout i know that's an extreme but some little info ad that they can play in schools that they can just have passed out doesn't have to be like this do this you have to do it we're making you do it of course not right uh but uh because people won't listen there's always going to be the people that don't and i think that in from looking at it, uh, from what I've seen, I think they're in the majority, the people that don't listen. Well, let me, let me ask, because when Trump got a lot of uh, heat for saying, or when everyone said Trump wasn't doing enough about this whole coronavirus uh, situation, he said it's up to the states to decide how the states should do things. And, he, and I mean, that's the whole argument between him and New York right now. Should the government have complete control in the time of a natural disaster or a pandemic like this, or should the states have complete control? Jeremy, what do you think? I, I mean, I think as with everything, the states should always have complete control because they created the federal government. But yeah, I mean, I, that's obviously a philosophical point of view. 
I think, you know, it's the, it goes back to the fable, never let a, uh, never let a disaster go to waste, right, sort of thing, is that what you've seen, right, is that, I, well, I think what will be interesting to see is that if and when this blows over, does, does the temporary, the things that were supposed to be temporary become permanent? Um, and is our way of life changed? And if it is, right, that should that would be the telltale sign of like why we shouldn't have government handle some of these things, right? Because we're just impugning them with power. But I digress. Well, at the, at, at the same time, we're seeing a lot of finally, in my opinion, we're seeing a lot of private companies start to help out sure. and do stuff. Elon Musk, uh, Bill Gates, for instance, he wants to do this whole vaccine thing. And I've seen a lot of stuff about this whole Bill Gates vaccine, how he announced that there's going to be a coronavirus epidemic in a couple of years, and he has the patent for the only vaccine known to man for coronavirus. Right. Uh, and uh, some of these conspiracy theories I've heard feel a lot, or feel very Alex Jonesy, you know, with the whole implementing of the, the chip under the skin and, you know, 5G network is what's setting off the coronavirus. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of it is, what was the other company? Uh, my pillow, yeah, and then he's he's trying to make a bunch of masks, and people are giving him backlash for that. And then we see uh, Christian. You mentioned last week Mark Zuckerberg with his yeah. twenty-four or twenty-five million dollars. Twenty-five million, yet that wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's what is enough and what isn't enough. Yeah, and, you know. Oh, and that's hard because there's always going to be people that aren't satisfied, right? You know, they're like, oh, you could have given much more, like you know, like even though. $25 million is probably more than I'll ever see in my life. But anyways, I mean, and I, <laughs> I saw this video from this hospital in France where they finally got more uh, surgeon sur- surgical gowns. And they, I don't know if y'all saw it, but they came from China and they were like, you know, a millimeter thick. And as soon as they kind of unfolded them, they just kind of fell apart and they were just tossing them on the ground. And to me, that's, the government paid for that. And I feel like that's completely wasteful at this point because they're not even able to use them. And I, in my opinion, you know, Mark Lindell makes a quality product, you know, and it's tied to his personal business and he needs to keep making money and he needs to, after this is over, he needs to keep making money. And I feel like these masks that he's going to produce are going to be quality masks. Unlike three, I still don't know the name of the company, 3M or 3M, 3M. 3M who is you know, holding America hostage right now because Trump told him stop selling him outside of the U.S. The, the free market has incentives and government being involved in, in, in you know, messing with the market itself, right? It'll always end up that way where there's no incentive to either keep a good reputation, right, or and make a good product because there's competition. Um, I mean, what, what you're talking about is analogous to so many other things, right, throughout society is that any time government gets involved in it, right? There's the potential for like an artificial market or, or, or a, um, a, a non-truly laissez-faire market, right? And that, that's this is what happens when you impugn free enterprise, um, people suffer. So I, I do see like people, I know I've, especially on conservative Twitter, they're like, oh, here comes a dystopian society when, uh, you know, we can't go to church anymore, especially the people that are arguing about the church thing. I don't see it becoming permanent. I highly doubt we'd let that happen because at the end of the day, we have the power. We're, I think we can chill out for about three months. I I think I said it last time too. Historical example, uh, the Black Plague spreads because people were told to run to the churches, you know, made effectively making Petri dishes. So I don't see a whole big problem with them telling us we can't, I I like, it sounds so bad that I'm saying this, but you know, it, it, I don't see it becoming permanent. We won't let it happen. I won't let it happen. I sure as hell won't let it happen, right? Of course. And I'm sure y'all y'all won't let it happen either. And I don't see that coming from our current government at all. Maybe if it was Bernie Sanders, I'd, I'd, have it, I'd be right on board with y'all. But What do y'all think is too far? Because I know Google wants to do um, this whole tracking system now. That's too far. That's too far. I, I have to agree. That's, that's too far. But so. I don't think us being advised not to go to church is too far for a month or two, you know, just chill out for a month. Well, they've started, uh, was it, I can't remember what state it was in, but there was a bunch of people in the parking lot at a church, like most churches have been doing right now. And some cop came by and ticketed every single person there for mass congregation. Uh, And then we saw another man in Philadelphia get ripped from a bus and 
I, I didn't get to see the end of the video. I can only assume he went to jail because he wasn't wearing a mask in Philadelphia. And, you know, I said last week, I, I don't want to play into this whole uh, martial law conspiracy theory, but as the weeks progress, it just seems to get closer and closer. I, I think I, I take issue with one of the things I guess you'd say, Christian, I'm advising. I don't think anyone, they're not advising this, right? Like that would be a completely different scenario. They're literally shutting things down, right? As, as, well, yeah. Um, you just but, too. I, at the end of the day, that's what it, it's, it's kind of necessary. I don't want this to, I don't want it to get worse. I want it as hopefully to end. You know, it, by the I way I see it ending is quarantine. This, this speaks to a, like this is the overall arching, overarching problem, right? Is like, who are you to say what is right for me as an individual um, to do or not do? Now we can speak all day about yes, it's a petri dish, right? Of going there, but um, I think that's the problem, right? Is like, what what's considered temporary? What's what's reasonable in your mind? Three months, okay. If we get to four months, is that unreasonable suddenly, right? Um, what what is the threshold and the line that like? people the pain that people will take before they wake up or will they ever wake up or are we going to be lulled into accepting that this is our new norm and reality um those are the questions people should be asking yeah i understand yeah i I completely understand and i have looked at it like okay is but i just don't see it i don't see it becoming anything permanent especially with the people that are on on lockdown right now like you know los angeles all those you're seeing it on social media. People want to leave. People want to go back and they want to go back to normal. They want to go back to the day that, uh, and the, the week before I get, well, it was our spring break that, you know, that week in March where all of a sudden it just, it just took a drastic turn for the worst. And if when people will notice after being in their houses for multiple months, differences, as small as the differences may be, they'll notice like, Hey, we were doing that before this whole thing. Why can't we do it now? I, I have faith in, uh, in American citizens that we'll notice any small changes or if the government starts to reach in their dirty little finger even an, an inch over the line that cannot be crossed. What's, and, what's concerning me the most, though, is I've been, you know, reading up on libertarian Twitter. And that's, always, <laughs> that's always a fun. I love that we've parsed out that there's different parts of Twitter. So. Oh, <laughs> definitely. Like, the communities. <laughs> Twitter's, Twitter's like gender. There's an infinite number. Uh, <laughs> But libertarian Twitter has been talking about how these uh, mandatory vaccinations are too far. And that's what kind of concerns me. I, I, I get both. I've been real quiet since this whole thing started. Well, no, I, I understand both parts of the argument. I understand, you know, citizens fear of a government saying you have to take this and we're not going to tell you what's in it. But it's for the greater good. We promise because governments do lie. I, I completely understand that. I completely believe that governments are self-serving entities. And not all politicians, I would say most politicians. I, I've met a few politicians where I'm actually believing that they're not self-serving. But at the same time, it is for the greater good. Yeah. So at some point, we do have to put faith in the United, into the government, because then at that point, if we don't, then there is no government, right? Eventually, we have moments where we're going to have to look at them in their eyes, even though they might have a little bit of a horns a couple horns sticking out of their head and just put just an ounce of faith into it and be very observant. Just be a, be a responsible citizen and be observant of every single thing they do, you right. know, cause we're giving them a little bit more power. We are, we are the ones granting them the little bit of power in order to do some things right now that hopefully will work out for the good, but keep them under a microscope. I don't know, Jeremy, like from, our, from our previous conversations throughout Earth from the last year, I, I kind of got the hint that you're maybe more libertarian. But. <laughs> so I, I, I actually, I combat this all the time, right? Like people are like, you're libertarian. I would argue that I'm more just a constitutional conservative than anything else, right? Like I, I believe in the individual certainly over anything else, but I think to, to this point specifically, uh, what what um, you're talking about is I would wholeheartedly disagree, but I would have argued that the line was already crossed a long time ago. So now the question in my mind is, okay, well, how do we how do we fix what's already broken, and can we fix it? Um, I you know I take the, the stance that spending ungodly amounts of money and putting us further into debt is an actual problem. Even though suddenly um, I would also argue that the same people I used to respect that were involved in like the t- tax enough already party or tea party 
that cried foul eight years ago suddenly are quiet when their tribe is uh, spending ridiculous amounts of money um, to approach and, and in the hopes, not even knowing for sure it will work, right? In the hopes that uh, we put a Band-Aid over a problem. Now that's a completely separate, I guess, conversation, but I think it speaks to the overarching issue here is that I, what I like to bring up when someone brings up this, right, is like, well, we have to kind of do this now and, and we'll demand it back later is name one time when that's ever happened um, in U.S. politics where we've, we've gotten somehow rights that have been suspended back. Can, anyone, can any of y'all? Didn't Abraham Lincoln suspend the media during the Civil War? Habeas corpus. He suspended habeas corpus first. That's right. Right? Right. But, like, I mean, think about that, right? Like, and, and without, without putting a tinfoil hat on, right, because this, this almost immediately always delves into the, the well, the what-if game, right? But, like, that, is that not a problem? Like, generationally, have we just kind of accepted as we've gone, right? Like, well, this is the way society needs to be, right? And so – uh, we need to suspend this or or we need to give the government the power to do this at some point in time. Um, but every time I've asked that question, I don't know that there's, and maybe y'all can, like maybe y'all can, y'all can wow me and come up with a, somehow we've, hey, we've, uh, you know, 20 years later, we decided that that was no good and we've gotten rid of it. It very rarely, if it ever happens, that something that was temporarily suspended comes back. Now, I'm not saying that three months from now, right, um, suddenly we're going to not change the quarantine rules because people were affected by it. I think that will happen. But I think there's a reality that for whatever reason, out of fear, we go and run to government, which by the way, we were just complaining two months ago, can't provide for other things, but suddenly we've just forgotten about that and we've gone running to them to protect us. I don't, I wouldn't rely on anyone in the government to protect me. I've got my own damn firearms at home, right? And, um, and if I don't have, if the if fiat money is not going to work, then I've got Bitcoin, right? And I've got other other things I've diversified in the hopes that, and of course, put my tinfoil hat on, right? But in the hopes that, like, I will be able to do whatever I got to do individually to survive, not only for myself, but for my family. And I would hope everyone else would do that, too. Well, I don't see it as protection. You know, we're not getting a National Guard troop standing outside of our house every day, right? New York they are, though. No, it's, it's getting really close to that, though. I mean, we talked about it last week with Dallas and the National Guard doing checkups. They're doing checkups to make sure you're alive because they've been running into that situation there in the UK where people aren't going to the hospital on time and they're like, well, homeboy's probably dead in this house, right? So it it's not – I don't see it as protection because I'm not running to the bastards. I'm just saying that if we are limiting some things, like you don't need to go – to Dairy Queen at 11 o'clock at night to go get a sit down, get a blizzard, right? But this come is home, and I have, the, I have the right to do yeah, that. I mean, you have the right to do it. You have the right to be stupid at the end of the day, right? You have the right to be stupid. It, it, it is part of it, right? But, I mean, come on. You, me, I can't knowingly go out with a very contagious disease that has a not a bad, you know, you could get really sick. I have a five-year-old niece here, right? She, they've actually just spent the night last night. I can't go out, and I, I do have a hard time. Like, when we're at work, we don't stop at convenience stores anymore. We're trying to just get to where we need to go, and that's it. I can't knowingly go touching everything, then come back, and then pick up my niece, knowing that I may have passed it on her. Because some other idiot who, r- r- you know, doesn't want to wash his hands, doesn't want to be clean. That's another thing. I'm a real germaphobe too. So it's like, you know, like <laughs> I, I, I can't stand that. But anyways, I can't do that. I can't knowingly as a good, I, as I see it as being a responsible, good person going, touching, infecting people, people that may not have a good chance. Like, uh, I don't have insurance. If I got to go pay for that at the hospital, I think I might take my chances here and ride it out. Right. And not go outside and practice self quarantine. But I can't go around knowing that I might have spread it to somebody that either one got really bad that just took a turn for the worst and passed away from it or went into medical debt because I passed it on to him, right? Granted, he should have probably had insurance. I should probably get insurance. But anyways, <laughs> different thing. I just can't do it. I can't. And I, I don't see it as running to the government for protection. But I that's see- your that's your choice. And I yeah, think that's it, it is my choice. Yes, it is my choice. It's my choice. But – I think as a nation, we do kind of need to sit down and look and say, okay, we need to stop this from getting worse. 
how can we stop it? As a collective thought, for just once, for this one time, can we have a collective thought and be like, just stay inside. If you don't have to go outside, don't go outside. Your life is, you know, like, you're just saying, okay, this comes down, I'm an asshole. I'm an asshole. You want me to be what I think we think we should be telling people so they won't go outside anymore? What? You are important. You are more important than me. I'm not more important than you. I mean, they kind of do that with the essential, right? Like, are you yeah. essential or not? Uh, I, well, memes. I'm a grave digger, so I think uh, at the end of the day, uh, <laughs> a little bit. My job is I'm not. Anyone can come do it. My dad makes that very clear. I can fire you right now, and I can find another three dudes to take your spot. So that's the mentality I grew up with. So it's at the end of the day, you aren't important enough to go out. Your, your coffee run isn't important. Your coffee run isn't important. I guess to give you an example, you don't have to go to Starbucks. You don't have to go to your, your, your little, you know, hip, uh, little coffee stand to get your your 12 ounce, whatever the hell. I don't know. I, I don't just know. drink coffee. I got I to hear what Jeremy's got to say. Put that, put that on its head, though, real quick, because y'all were talking about the renter, right, and renter issues earlier, right? It's like if I'm business franchisee of a Starbucks location, who the hell are you to tell me that people shouldn't come to my establishment? Right. Right. Like, what about that employee that works at Starbucks? Is he just, he's just screwed because you said that people shouldn't go to his establishment? Well, like being protected, right? Don't you think your company should have had like uh, some money on the side in case something happened? You mean eat the rich? Sure. sure right. Then, okay. Then you make that case if you was a renter, right? Shouldn't you have you money on the side? Huh? If you oh, well, as a renter of an apartment, right? We were just talking about this earlier. As oh, a renter man, of an apartment. should have had money on the side. No, the renter should have had money on the side to pay rent. Rent's always on I'm my paying. mind. Rent's always on my mind. I always make sure I, you know, that's why I'm working again. It was like, shit, I'm not making it to the end of the summer. So I started working again. But again, having to pick apart, what I said earlier, having to pick apart each and every individual case. We have people that can get sick from this and die. We have people that need to work. Otherwise, they go homeless. We have people that have to have their business open. Otherwise, they lose their business and their homes. And potentially. Uh, I mean, it, but it, then we have workers that need to work but potentially can catch the virus and then die. And then we have, we have those workers that can pass it on to somebody else. You know, it, it's so hard because think of what we're dealing with. We're dealing with something you cannot see without getting an actual microscope and seeing it. It can be on that door to walk into that Starbucks. It can be on the card reader. It can be on the Starbucks guy's hand. Can you admit, though, that this is a very difficult thing, not because of necessarily taking away the politics and government side from it. It's a natural killer. Or not killer, a natural, a natural thing, something that we can't see, something that we can't really fight, right? I think this would be a lot easier if coronavirus was five foot 11 or well hopefully five four and you know with the ar that i hope people do buy that, that uh, buy guns also let me advertise that real quick you know because in case you know she's the fan i actually just going to do that okay but anyways um that's the thing with i, I think that's why it's making it so much more difficult and it's because we it, it's a virus that we can't it, it's a virus a disease Right, you gotta admit it's very hard to be prepared and sit down and and try to keep businesses open, but also keep people safe and clean. Because is it really worth it that all the people, no one's gonna come to your business if they're all sick, right? But that's your business's choice, isn't it? I mean, shouldn't your business have rules for their employees? No, the customers won't come in if they're sick. That's why it should have been probably done a little earlier, so that way it could have gone in and out, you know, kind of thing. For instance, Galveston was worried closing for spring break was really going to hurt them, which I'm sure it did. But why keep it open, have more people get sick, and then prolong this whole situation to the summer, which I'm sure the summer is an even more moneymaker than their one week of spring break. I I mean, I I suppose. I want to hear Jeremy's last thoughts before we kind of switch topics because we need to wrap up here pretty soon. I mean, I I think – I, I would readily admit that, yes, this is a, like, it's something you don't visibly see, but I think the people best equipped to deal with that because they have the incentive to want to keep making money is the literal business, right? And so, like, that's why you've seen some adapt 
as best they can, given rules that have come or been bestowed upon them from up high, right, is to like, okay, well, we're carry out only or we're, um, we're going to deliver service only, right? Let's not use restaurants as an example. Who's to say that that wouldn't have happened, right? In the gov if the government would just stay out of the way, right? They have every incentive to want to keep their workforce also healthy and clean, right? Yeah. But they still want to make money. Could they not have done that without being dictated but to the thing from is, some you're, superior government? You're gambling on the time they react, right? You're hoping that these businesses would have done it. You're, you know, you're hoping that they would have kept their workers clean. I, hey man, I've, I, I, well, I don't know about your local McDonald's, but my local McDonald's, if that it was. Corona was probably created there, dude. It's pretty gross. <laughs> Interesting know? fact, though. McDonald's is one of the cleanest fast food restaurants. because That's just, a lie. That mine, is really, mine really went to shit there, dude, because it is gross. <laughs> they just open the package and then hand it straight to you after they microwave it. Yeah, but the have you gone in one of those play areas, dude? I didn't even want to touch my knee. No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, slide. I'm talking kitchen specifically. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'll give him that, I guess. I don't know. Uh, my friend worked there for a little while when he was 15, and he said, you should have seen that machine they used to make, like, those frappes. They usually yeah. didn't clean them for, like, a month, so this black gunk would just come out. It, Look, anyway, I, I used to be a head bartender, and I was shocked to see what still passes as an A rating for the health inspector. Oh, yeah, dude. FD, gotta love the FDA, man, where they can count a certain amount of bugs and it'd still be presentable to you. Anyway, yeah. I, I kind of want to switch topics up a little bit because we're, we're running out of a little bit of time and I want to get to some social issues. Uh, Adele's divorce just went through. Which, <laughs> You're uh, ready for that fire album she's about to push out, man. Not only that, but it, it's kind of raised this whole uh, women equality argument because from what I understand, she made more money than her now ex-husband and the judge says, you guys want equality, you make more money, you owe your husband money. And so now she's pissed and she's saying that women are once again screwed by the government and that men are coming out on top and everything. And I think it's kind of raised an important social question, not an important social question, because I already know the answer to this one. But I mean, I just think it's, I think it's ironic. I mean, yeah, dude, I, hey, it's a, should have signed the prenup, I guess, right? Money management, that's all is what it is. I should have had a better lawyer. I, I don't know what advice to give her besides the divorce is a divorce, half and half, I guess. I'm not always on board for that half and half thing, but, you know, prenup's definitely going to be a thing when I get married. Sorry, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> her album's going to make triple that. Her depressing songs that result from this, if she's truly depressed, I'm sure she'll exactly. make the calls. But she's gonna make equality, equality, right? This is this this is analogous to so many other SJW arguments, right? It's like it all falls apart when it becomes their personal plight, right? Yep. Um, it's good enough for everyone else. So I'm I'm interested to see how this plays out. I think it just gives rolling in the deep a whole new meaning. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but uh, the last thing I kind of want to talk about is uh, we talked about. Uh, Tiger King last week, and I really did not want to talk about it again this week. <laughs> Such a good show. Just, it is a great. I don't know, Jeremy. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, I, I finished watching it. I, not only is that the most ridiculously hilarious show I've ever seen. I don't know if y'all y'all caught it, but there was a reporter at one of Trump's briefings, and he actually asked if Trump was going to. Oh yeah, yeah. So exotic, and I I don't know how I feel about that because like half of me wants him to just so there's more TV show about Joe Exotic. But at the same time, like, that's completely ridiculous. And I, I don't know. What are y'all's thoughts? I mean, I think, like, it, it was funny to see Trump's reaction to it um, when yeah. he was asked. I think it was a surefire way for that reporter to karma phone, right, to, like, get his own notoriety by asking the question, uh, one. But I think, too, like, you know, we have a justice system. Whether it's good or bad, you can argue, right? Um, but justice was allegedly bestowed upon him. You know, whether the president pardons him or doesn't, I, I don't know. That's neither here nor there. I, you know, was it, was it amusing to watch the show? I'd be lying to say it wasn't. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I took a lot of issues with just how he handled business, right? Like, I felt like he was preying on men, right? Yeah. On top of a whole bunch of other stuff. And I wouldn't, I would not be supportive of something like that. Knowing what I know, maybe I don't know all the information, right? But yeah, knowing what I know now, to suddenly be like the poster child for, because of popularity contest and people love him over that B Carol Baskins, right? Uh, that somehow 
he's worthy of some presidential pardon. In, in my personal opinion, I think they all should be arrested and all be in the same prison. And that would make an even better TV show because now be a it's, better like, reality show. That's right. it's like the zoo has been reversed. It's them in the cages and we get to see how they react. Right. But from what I understand from the show, there was a lot of Joe Exotic's case that was just kind of mishandled. Oh, the government definitely had a target on his back, which is kind of why I'm in favor of the pardon, because they did try to make an example out of him. But he, at the end of the day, he, like what Jeremy said, the dude was preying on men. He was uh, definitely took advantage of people that were, like how they said he hired people that were straight out of prison, were on the street. And they were getting fed off of a old, uh, what do they call it? Like the Walmart truck? It was a bunch of expired yeah, meat. Expired Walmart meat. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about, you know, a full-on presidential pardon, but well, maybe lower his sentence, I guess. What's hilarious to me is seeing everybody argue about which zoo was better with their oh, employees. Because yeah. <laughs> in my opinion, I think all three of them were just equally as bad. Yeah. Just in, in different ways. Like one, I know people don't want to call it a, a sex cult, but one was a sex cult. One was uh, child labor and uh, slavery, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one was meth and gay sex. But, gay but sex. the reason, just like the SJW thing, right? The reason Carol Baskin Zoo was better is because she said it was better, right? She treated animals better. It wasn't that it wasn't the same thing. No, oh, it's because right. her good idea, right? It was, uh, it was better because she said it was. So. Way to destroy the competition by having them all arrested, man. <laughs> That's what she was doing. She was playing the market. She's like, you know what? What if I just get them arrested? I think that's a lot easier than having to, you know, beat them out. But again, at the end of the episode, or at the end of the series, it says that more charges are likely to come for the rest of the cast. Uh, yeah. I'm just interested. What I don't understand is, you know, you said we have a justice system that works. Why? Why didn't you know? Uh, what's his name jeffrey lowe get arrested why didn't oh he's he's going to so to be clear i said we have a justice system and i said you know we can argue whether it's good or bad okay okay i have to believe in a justice system right you know we can argue whether the merits of the case were good or bad and i'm not a lawyer i didn't go three years to school to get a certificate right uh so i'm about to but i I, do, I mean, I think that's really what we should be talking about. I don't know that this reaches the level of a presidential pardon on the case of it just being a popular Netflix series, right? Well, that's what, the only point I'm what I what I kind of related to is the the movie The Informant. I don't know if y'all ever watched it, but it was like this whole thing. And at the end of the episode, it said that the guy who got arrested for like stealing ten million dollars or something like that in the '90s petitioned to be pardoned over twenty times, and he never did. And then after the movie was released it kind of like resurfaced and everyone, you know, you need to excuse him. We need to pardon him. And, and I do believe that it has something to do with popularity. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me on why Trump would even say, I'll consider it. I feel like that would have been something he should have just straight up was like, absolutely not. I haven't seen the, the movie, but yeah. that, that's another reason why I shouldn't. Well, I don't see a problem with it being addressed because of course, if, well, well, then again, what we know is that he is a bad person. But, I mean, I wouldn't – let's say a different case where, uh, you know, John Doe was definitely convicted on false charges and stuff like that. I think if you if you got a chance to yell it at the President of the United States that some poor innocent man was in prison, you know, I, and you can ask for a pardon, I, I'd do it. But uh, in this case, yeah, I do see a little bit of problem with him because at the end of the day, he's still not – a good person right like, i, don't I think can any... argue the sentence can be lowered i don't know if he deserves to die in jail i do think he doesn't deserve to be in there alone i know there's plenty of other people that should deserve to be in there with him which is not, that is kind of what irked me about it but just like adele imagine the music that's going to come out of this <laughs> oh yeah you're right you're right and, and I, I thought it was interesting that uh, oj simpson got involved and oh yeah and said that Carol Baskins did it, and the memes that came out of that just made my week. It takes one to know one. I think we can all agree that the last, especially the last like month or two, not that the last really since Harambe died, but the last month or two, like, the memes <laughs> have been great. So. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up right there. Uh, that, this is the Hill Country Conservative. You can follow us on Facebook at the Hill Country Conservative or on Twitter at HCC or HCCons underscore. 
H-C-C-O-N-S underscore. Once again, I'm Sebastian Quaid. I'm Christian Gavasas. And we want to thank Jeremy Kitchens for joining us today. Actually, real quick, before we finish, I, I forgot to ask you about this, but you, you did work for Briscoe Kane. Yeah. And uh, I, I just want to get your kind of insider's perspective on the whole Briscoe Kane, Beto O'Rourke tweet fight. Way, way overblown from the, uh, the Congressman O'Rourke or Beto side. Um, he, you know, opportunism, used it as an opportunity to, to make an additional point. I think Twitter reacted in the wrong way. And um, even though my former boss is now back on Twitter, um, I think it's an absolute shame how it went down. He was right, right? It's like, good luck trying to come for, come for yeah. our firearms. And I think that panned out and you saw that, right? I mean, afterwards, Beto's popularity went down. So it, mm, <laughs> I'll give him that. I mean, I, Briscoe Kane finally did follow me back on Twitter, so I was kind Man. of excited. <laughs> you got Chip Roy to follow you and Briscoe Kane. And he took a selfie with me last year. So, I mean, what more do you want? But all right. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Happy Easter. If you're hearing this on Sunday or Monday, I'm not sure when this is going to post, but y'all have a great week. I'm not going to